Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 55 of Football A Podcast. We are back from the dead. It has been close to, I think, four months on the dot since we've recorded, and a whole football season has passed us by. Uh, Matt and Bill, what's going on, fellas? Wait, who are you guys again? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Life is going on, and thus the hiatus. That's true. New jobs, new kids. Uh, new yes. fantasy championships, a whole lot happening. Yeah, and, and I won't ask anybody to rank which which are more important in order of <laughs> fantasy championships or children. And so we won't we won't, we won't go down that road. Yeah, no, we won't. But we're back for the playoffs. Uh, we had to jump in, give our predictions, and you know, kind of recap the year that was. But um, any initial thoughts or anywhere or where do you guys want to start first? We'll be previewing the, the, the postseason games, Wild Card Weekend, coming up this Saturday, starting tomorrow, when we're recording, it's Friday. Um, and we have a couple games right off the gate. I know the Chargers and Jaguars are playing, um, and then I'm totally blanking on the early game um, tomorrow Niners well. and uh, Seahawks, I think. Niners, Seahawks. So should we start there, or where would you guys like to, to start? Yeah, let's start there. Let's go with, uh, I, I think, the enticing matchup of the two that you just mentioned, Jags and Chargers. Yes. And Zach, yeah. I'm going to give you, I'm going to hand it to you because I want to give you a little bit of time to gloat because the Jags were your AT South champions in our uh, predictions, uh, season predictions, uh, many moons ago. That's true. Um, I I mean, the, the they have a lot to thank the poor teams in their division, but the Jaguars kind of looked how I thought they would look. Their defense was underrated coming into the year, and I figured Trevor Lawrence would figure it out. Doug Peterson is too good of a offensive coordinator, play designer, but just a, a general coach, too. Uh, he, I figured he would get m- the most out of that offense and the pieces they do have, and there were some rough spots. I mean, it wasn't smooth sailing, but um, it, they are they are just like a, t- in my mind, and not to spoil my pick, but they are the quintessential like wild card, like get bounced in the wild card division team, division winner, before they take a bigger step next year. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Jaguars rooting for them all year to make our prediction right, and they came through in the final week of the season. Yeah, it was so great what, to see the maturation, is, especially in the second half of the year, to uh, for Trevor Lawrence. Um, there was a lot, you know, that was going on obviously last year with him, and uh, to to see, especially called that Cowboys game when they ended up pulling that off. I, I kind of thought, yeah, I think I think they've there's there's a there's a chance here for some for some for uh, some late season um, heroics, and turns out they made the playoffs. I don't know how far they'll get, but. Um, but it's it's got to be very encouraging if you're a Jaguars fan. Yeah, I and, and I thought the interesting part, you know, Zach brought up the point of Doug Peterson, um, and it's great when you can see a head coach that really elevates an almost an entire roster. Mm-hmm. But specifically looking at the offense, I mean, who who would have thought going into the season how impactful Zay Jones would be? You know, who would have thought that Evan Ingram would you know essentially come back from the dead? Uh, after a pretty rough run with the New York Giants. And really, from a fantasy perspective, maybe a top 10 tight end. I thought he played really, really well this year. Uh, Travis Etienne took a step forward, um, although there were some frustrating things with him about ball security, negative plays, things like that. But he showed his explosiveness um, in the defense. Mm -hmm. You you look at the impact of a guy like Trayvon Walker, who I know when it came to the 
the draft prep, we were a little bit more inclined to say, you know, maybe Aiden Hutchinson would have been, been a better pick at first overall, or maybe they could have gone offensive line or whatever. But um, we cited a bit of a lack of production during Trayvon Walker's career at, at Georgia. But the guy was disruptive. I mean, he, maybe not piling up sack numbers or or splash plays like Aiden Hutchinson, um, but he really helped that pass rush um, be disruptive. And a lot of the turnovers you saw that opportunistic Jags defense create, um, I I think a lot of that is to is attributed to Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, and, and a really disruptive front seven. It's like the perfect mix of veterans and young players on that defense. Like you had Rayshon Jenkins, who I believe had the pick six in the Dallas game. Um, like he was a free agent signing. I don't. I think a couple years back. Um, but then you have like a budding superstar in Tyson Campbell. I mean, that defense is just has like the perfect mix of maturity and explosiveness. And it's like it is a ball hawking defense that can change the game. And and you have to. I mean, the Jaguars' offense has been elevated, like you said, Matt, quite a bit this year and they really don't I think we could all say there's significant room for improvement with their with their playmakers I mean ETN is explosive but Zay Jones is he was impactful but I don't think anyone would mistake him for a you know top 20 25 30 receiver in the game um there's there is a high ceiling on this Jaguars offense and if they make the right moves they if they you know select the right players in the next few months both in free agency and um um, you know, in the draft, it's like, okay, well, they could go into next season being kind of considered like the lock for the division if they aren't really already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and not not only that, too. but you... I was just going to say, not only that, but um, it, I think if you look at the makeup of the team, um, there's a lot of young guys there, and... It, there's there's something to be said about a team coming together as as a as a cohesive unit late in the season that i mean don't get me wrong it's 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 not very likely that they make a deep run this year but i wouldn't really want to play them um you know if they would potentially win they go to arrowhead in the next round and that's not a great matchup for the chiefs i still think the chiefs would end up winning that game but it's hard to play a team that's that's playing red hot down the stretch and and you catch somebody at the wrong time it it could spell disaster for the chiefs mm-hmm. i think tomorrow though ultimately in the wild card game with the with the chargers i think the chargers will will win i think it'll be close but the difference in my mind um is is the quarterback play. And even though we've just gushed on how well Trevor Lawrence has come along, he has been carried the last few weeks by their defense. And, um, they're Justin Herbert can stretch the field. I mean, he's better than Dak. He's better than a lot of the quarterbacks they've played. It's just, you know, can Brandon Staley get out of his own way is the only reason why I feel like this is going to be closer than it should be. Um, but I think that this is a one and done for the Jags team. I think the chargers come out, um, and um and, and get the win um tomorrow all right so zach is on the jags over the chargers bill what do you got Chargers over jags i'm sorry chargers over <laughs> jags um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with the jags um in this particular instance we haven't really talked a lot about the chargers but um 
I don't know why they played all their starters last week. Um, Mike Williams getting hurt. Um, he is out for this game. I think it's I think it's absolutely ridiculous that that uh, Staley decided to do that um, in a in a game that they literally had nothing to play for at all, not even seeding. Um, and he said, I believe that it was to keep momentum. Well, congratulations! Now you're coming off of a loss and you got somebody hurt. So. Brilliant move there, Brandon Staley. Um, I think these this Chargers offense plays differently when Mike Williams is on the field. Um, and I think that it's going to be too much to ask for a team to go into a hostile environment like, uh, like it's going to be in Duval uh, and come out with a win at less than full strength against a red-hot team. So I'm going to go uh, Jaguars here. Matt's with All the right. tie. Well- one on the Chargers, one on the Jaguars. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Jaguars here. Um, probably going to cite some of the same reasons that, that Bill mentioned. Uh, but when I look at when I look at the Los Angeles Chargers, the the loss of Mike Williams I think has a significant impact on this game, and has a significant impact on the quarterback play. You know, Zach, you kind of mentioned Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Herbert. I trust just uh, Trevor Lawrence's um, surrounding cast. A little bit more than I trust oh. Justin Herbert's. Um, I, you know, I mentioned Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Travis Etienne, Evan Ingram, all very productive uh, players this year. The offensive line play was pretty good. Uh, and when I when I think about the, how disruptive the Jaguars' defense can be against Justin Herbert, listen, the Chargers' offensive line has not played up to the standard that we're kind of accustomed to. Um, when I've watched them play this year, you know they definitely have struggled with disruptive pass rushes, um, and that's exactly the term that we've been using to describe the Jaguars' front seven. They're very disruptive, um, and when you take away a safety valve like Mike Williams and also a guy in Mike Williams uh, who is really your most significant deep threat, you really reduce the the Chargers' offense to Dakin Dumps to Austin Eckler. Um, short passing game with Keenan Allen and you've got Josh Palmer, but Josh Palmer doesn't strike fear into the heart of a defense in the way that Mike Williams does. Um, so when I take a look uh, the other, the other component to this game that I think is underrated is that the chargers, despite having um, Joey Bosa back and Khalil Mack, um, they were not that great against the run this year. And the Jaguars, you know, you saw the Jaguars in recent weeks really let Travis Etienne break off some very big plays. I think you'll see some big plays from Etienne in the run game. I think you'll see Justin Herbert struggle to move the ball downfield uh, on the other side of the ball. And I think you're going to see a good, efficient performance from Trevor Lawrence. So I am, uh, I'm on the Jags in this one. I mean, those are all excellent points. I think the my thoughts on the on the de- on the defensive side. We've talked a lot about Jags having the ball, um, what they can do, what the Chargers can do in the, when when they have the ball. I think th- uh, the Chargers defense could be smothering. Um, they have the the Swiss Army knife um, in Derwin James, and they they are not only fast but they're very disciplined, and that's where I think they are different than some of the defenses the Jaguars played recently. Like for example, the Cowboys. Cowboys are very fast, they're instinctive, and they get that leads to tendency to get burnt sometimes. I think the the Chargers defense is much is can be run on, but I don't think that the 
I believe they'll be able to load the box because their secondary is disciplined and tough and can erase a lot of those, you know, I don't want to call them middling playmakers the Jaguars have on the outside, but that's what we'll go with. Um, and then I have faith in Justin Herbert still being able to get by. I think it's going to be close, but I think they'll do just enough. Uh, and then just to touch on Brandon Staley, I wanted to read this quote because I think this is insane. I don't know what he meant by this. Um, this is what Staley said today when he stood behind what they did last weekend. Uh, quote, Staley, it's very difficult to decide who plays and who doesn't and who's more valuable than the rest. What you're trying to do is set a standard for your program about how you do things. That's what I believe in. I don't want anyone to get hurt in that game regardless of their status because everybody's important. Yeah, but some people are more important than others. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, that's I'm insane. sorry. It's that's just, an insane it, it, quote. Yeah, it's insane. And, and listen, this is not a this is not a high school game. This mm-hmm. is not a college game. Like these guys are professional athletes. They know who's exactly. better than, than than who, right? Exactly. Like it, it, if you knew next to nothing about who the Chargers were, and you just looked at you know their leaders from a, from a statistical perspective, okay, well maybe we should sit those guys in a game that doesn't mean anything. Um, I, I, that is, it's, it's idiotic. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous that you're playing these guys for nothing. Um, and, and that sort of excuse, like, I just, I don't know. Like it's, it's typical chargers. It is. They just can't get out of their own way. And, and it's almost like Staley is just a, an extension of that. It is. Well, when you first texted me last weekend about them playing so late in the game, I wasn't watching the game. I My first thought was, it has to be contract-related. Like, Keenan Allen is catching a touchdown pass with, like, five minutes left in the game because he has a bonus for, like, 75-plus catches a year. Like, that was where my mind went, but then the more I read about him, like, I can't believe he did this. Yeah. But So we got... Two on the Jaguars, mm-hmm. one on the Chargers. Indeed, uh, Zach, you're your lone man uh, at the moment. Going so. against the going against my Jags. All right. Well, let's go to the next game. Um, the other Saturday matchup is the 49ers and the Seahawks. Um, the Bill, let's toss it over to you. Who's who you got in that one? Well, first of all, I think it's it's good that Seattle has even gotten to this point, uh, given that the the plethora of jokes that were made about <laughs> Drew Locke versus Geno Smith um, in the in the preseason. Geno Smith has played admirably, however, not as well down the stretch. Um, I think this is a team that is probably maxed out in terms of what they their uh, ceiling was for the year. Um, I think there's reason for optimism here, but. The 49ers have become a buzzsaw. Um, I think that this is the best team in football right now. Um, you know, Brock Purdy has come in and done a great job, not just being a game manager, but being an effective quarterback, um, distributing the ball, um, making plays with, le- with his legs when he has to. Um, but the addition of Christian McCaffrey has been just a huge shot in the arm for this offense. Uh, McCaffrey, again, showing you why he was a first round pick and that he's not Toby Gearhart. Um, I think that this 49ers team is, they're my pick to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think that this game, because it's divisional, is going to be a little close. Um, but I think, I see Seattle's de- defense, while they are good, 
I don't think that they're going to be able to match up with all of the weapons at the 49ers disposal. And I also don't think that Geno Smith is good enough to put up the points that that's needed against the San Francisco defense. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go San Francisco in this one. I'm right there with you, Bill. I'm sad that the Seahawks drew the 49ers because any other team in that NFC field, I believe the Seahawks would have a 50, 50, uh, 50, 50 chance of winning the, the game against the Vikings, Giants, Bucks, Cowboys. So it's a shame it had to be against the 49ers after the, the great season they've had. Um, not to belabor everything you you said, Bill, 49ers have matched up well with them in two previous matchups this year, and it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. I understand that, but the 49ers are so efficient on both sides of the ball. They get off the field on third down. They extend long drives, and what happens is you're going to Geno Smith, who I do not think that highly of, despite his great year. When you extend drives, you're going to only give him a few chances to be good, and he's going to have to make those drives count. And I don't think he's going to be able to do it. So, if you're if you're a betting person, I might take them to cover because I think the spread's a little bit too big based on their quarterback situation. But I think the 49ers win um, easily. This might be like a backdoor cover I could see happening, like a long touchdown to DK Metcalf with three minutes left or something like that. So 49ers win. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make this a consent to some on the 49ers as well. Um, although I do think, I mean, you know, Eden Crow on my own end, I had the Seahawks like finishing three and fourteen or something in our season prediction series. But um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of great things from Geno Smith. You know, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf are always dangerous. Kenneth Walker uh, and some of the the pieces they have, like Charles Cross on the offensive line, I think makes for a bright future in Seattle. Um, San Francisco just, I think, is on another level at, at this juncture. So when I look at San Francisco, um, one of the weaknesses that Seattle has that San Francisco can easily take advantage of is uh, the run game. You know, San Francisco is going to be able to run the football on Seattle. I think the strength of Seattle's defense is more in their secondary, secondary uh, with Tariq Woolen and Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant and some of those guys. Um, but, you know, having great corners and, and a, a pretty good secondary really isn't going to help account for Christian McCaffrey, uh, Elijah Mitchell back healthy. Uh, however, Debo Samuel is going to contribute to the run game. Um you know, and and Brock Purdy, you know, really managing the game very effectively. Um, you know, let's also mention Brandon Ayuk, really coming into his own this year, probably his best season. Um, and you know, George Kittle's played a lot better. He's been a lot more productive than he had um, than he had been with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, I think Brock Purdy has really honed in on the the top players in that offense, and he's really been unlocking. Um, you know, kind of another level uh, in San Francisco. He's playing within the system, and we know the Kyle Shanahan system is fantastic. So I think, you know, San Francisco is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, um, and I think that's going to neutralize Kenneth Walker, um, going to make put the game in Geno Smith's hands. Um, and then the other side, I don't know if Seattle can stop San Francisco's run game. And Brock Purdy, you know, we may not need to see him throw the ball for more than 150 yards in this game. I mean, I envision a stat line for him that's, you know, probably 
10 for 16 for 125 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns, no picks. Like that's kind of what I see this game could turn into. Um, so again, bright future in Seattle, but there's a different class of team here with San Francisco. And to add on to your point about the Seattle de- uh, defense, Matt, they lost their best linebacker, Jordan Brooks, tore uh Actually, I don't remember what his injury was, but he's out for the rest of the year. Um, and he was like the only one of the only players on the defensive front uh, seven that could that, that could really stop the run. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they've got two really high first round picks thanks to the Broncos. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of upside here um, in Seattle. Um, and just while we're on the two NFC West teams, our NFC West preview was like the most wrong you could be in a preview, but our total yes. season preview was like the most right you could be in a season preview. It was, it's very interesting. Jekyll and Hyde. Well, we I think, I, I, think I, I think I was the most, I think it was the most bullish on the Seahawks. I think you had them like eight wins or something. So I think you're right. yeah. Uh, so it shows you how the rest of the, the rest of us picked. Mm-hmm. We all just blindly fell into the Rams, which was a trap. <laughs> But don't listen to that one. Listen to the full season preview. We got a lot right. Lines, Vikings, yeah. Jags. Listen to that one. Yeah. Um, so should we get, stay in the NFC? Because I feel like the the other AFC matchups, Bengals, Ravens, Bills, Dolphins, are pretty easy picks. Or you know, don't let me speak for you two, but I, you know, pretty straightforward victories uh, for me. Yeah, me too. I mean, maybe we should just cover off on those real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you real know, brief I, ones, yeah. So I've got the Bengals and I've got the Bills. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I know I'm I'm probably skipping around here, but like I, I the Bengals are clearly the better team. The Ravens um, may have to trot out Anthony Brown again or Tyler Huntley. I don't I don't know. Um, and the Dolphins are going to trot out Skylar Thompson. Uh, no disrespect to Skylar Thompson, but like he's no Brock Purdy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have the same consensus that I do, but uh, yeah, totally. Um, Bengals, and we'll talk about them probably more in a little bit. But Bengals are a team that's getting hot at the right time and playing their best football right now, and I think they're dangerous. And the Bills, yeah, I think they can take care of the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, I'll um, I'll agree with both of you. I'm, I am going to throw a. a, a question out here about the Ravens so we give them a little bit of airtime here in a second but yeah when I look at the Bengals playing against a backup quarterback that defense has really been warming um, pass rush has been fantastic secondaries turn the ball over um, Joe Burrow calm cool collected um, Chase and Higgins coming into their own I mean there's there's a ton to love about the Cincinnati Bengals um, in this one so yeah I, I think that's a pretty easy one Bills I think this game would be a lot closer if two were playing, um, but you look at you know a guy like Skyler um, Skyler Thompson, who I, I really like. I think he's a solid backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, but the Bills defense, I think, is just too talented. Uh, you saw what he did against the Jets defense; very similar scheme. Um, both you know very talented defenses. I think you're going to see a lot of the same stuff from Skylar Thompson against Buffalo as you did against the New York Jets, which was nine points. So I don't really see a lot happening there. Um, but the question I do want to throw out to give the Ravens some airtime is, you know, what do you do with Lamar Jackson here? Is this, a, I think uh, honestly, is, 
I mean, Go I ahead. think Lamar Jackson is is um I'm sure he's hurt. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's hurt. Uh, but I can't help but wonder how much of this is the contract piece. Because, uh, listen, I, I understand that it's a big deal, that it's the playoffs, all those things. But to me, I look at I look at Lamar's situation, and he even said, I think in a tweet, that it's still structurally, his knee is still structurally unstable. So I don't necessarily blame him for for not playing however i gotta imagine that if he was on a five-year he was on year one or two of a five-year deal he would probably be playing i don't know what you guys think about that but that's my take on the whole thing matt what do you think i was thinking about this a little bit um before we jumped on and uh, you know it's hard. Player safety is a big deal. It's hard to talk about, you know, a guy should force himself to play through an inner injury, you know, and, and players do need to be aware of, of the, the ramifications of injuries on their potential earning potential. So I understand a little bit, if that is the case for Lamar, why he might be thinking that way. From the other perspective, I look at a guy like Philip Rivers playing through a torn ACL in the AFC Championship game. Hmm. I also look at a guy to contrast the Philip Rivers take is Justin Fields played through a busted left shoulder and he played through a um, a busted hip in meaningless games at the end of this year, put his body on the line for his team. And when you look at some of the things that have come out of Chicago about Justin Fields' leadership through a really difficult time where they were where they've been losing a lot of games. I think that galvanizes a team and it gives it, it gives a, a team a sense of confidence in the quarterback and the type of individual they have um, in their locker room. If this is a contract thing for Lamar, I think this is grounds for we're just gonna part at the end of the year because it's a playoff game. Like if this team, every team believes that they have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl and to not be out there, if it is contract related, no, it may not be. So I'm, I'm always going to leave that caveat out there, but the Ravens know what's going on in that building. So I mm-hmm. think if you look at the off season and the Ravens franchise and trade him, or if they let him walk in free agency or whatever that looks like, I think that's going to tell us whether this was a contract related injury or whether this was a legitimate injury. I agree with both of you. Um, I think it's pretty clear to see that Lamar is or has already blown it. Uh, He's blown it. The best offer the Ravens are going to give him, I think it's safe to say now, has probably come and gone. Um, And if I'm the Ravens, I think it's time to play hardball with them. And... I think you tell him, listen, we're not we're not going to franchise you because we're not going through this next year. You want a fully guaranteed contract. We would like to have you back. We don't think you'll get that in the open market. We want you to go on the open market. Or um, they might tender him um, with a non-exclusive franchise tag where the team where other team can negotiate with them, but they still have the Ravens the the two first round picks, which is probably the way they'd go. But I think it's time to play hardball with them and just say, this is what we're willing to give you now. And we don't think you're going to get a better deal elsewhere. Try it. Um, and the thing that's concerning to me, and this is, this is coming. I am a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I have been since before the draft. Um, 
but it's get it seems like it's getting inside the locker room. Um, I don't know if you have, have either of you heard what or read what Sammy Watkins said today. No, I have not. Yeah, so Sammy Watkins, who played for the Ravens a couple years ago, um, you know, traversed the NFL, and then has been back with the Ravens for you know a cup of coffee this year. He said today in this league, and you know, who the hell is Sammy Watkins? But quote in this league, everybody's pretty much banged up, hurt. I don't want to speak for him in his situation, whatever he's going through with with the contracts. I don't know what world he's in, but for me, you got it chance to do something special we all know with Lamar Jackson out there this team is really freaking good and special things can happen he can will this team to the Super Bowl I don't think he's thinking about it that way um, he's got an opportunity to win a Super Bowl I hope he hobbles back out there put him out for the pass plays and don't run him at all but you never know that could be wrong I'm being very selfish right now just want him to be out in the field but man what a great thing it would be to see eight touch the field this Sunday and we go out there and blow them out um, but that's for Lamar and everyone else to figure out hope miraculously something happens someone somebody reach out to him whether it's a coach or somebody and he decides to play but that's a question if he's healthy or not i don't know i haven't been watching him wow (laughs) that's such a like a run-on like i'm gonna make an accusation (laughs) i'm immediately gonna buy it back and then i'm gonna make another accusation and i'm gonna buy it back again like i I don't know man that like hey that's that's like but i I don't know watkins feels like that yeah he's he's only been there for like five minutes exactly if he feels like this this is if it's crept into the locker room this feeling it's it may be you may not be able to come he Lamar may not be able to come back from it yeah I but but here's the thing in in terms of a of a player having leverage right I think it's it, this isn't baseball right I mean yeah. a lot of these contracts are not full again unless you're Deshaun Watson which is just that's more about on Cleveland than anything else but um this team has created their entire identity around Lamar Jackson. You can tell me that you've got Tyler Huntley and you can tell me you've got Anthony Brown, blah, 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 blah. This offense is tailor made for Lamar Jackson in a way that they're like, no other offense is tailor made to one person in the entire league, nor in the way that's been done for, I mean, decades, right? I mean, offenses don't, aren't don't assemble just around one player you don't make individual personnel decisions based on we've got Lamar Jackson and this is this is how we use him the Ravens offense for for the past several years has been unique in the NFL in the way that they structure and the way that they they call plays and you know I mean extremely run heavy obviously but they're also running an offense with quarterback options and they've got three six 15 tight ends on the field at all they're all they're all tight ends it's, it's my favorite offense ever um but i i think if you look at it from that perspective maybe lamar feels like you know you've you've created all this for me so i do have a, more leverage even than i would have as your franchise signal caller i don't know how true that is um but i think the ravens are in a very difficult position because you know they've not really been able to keep anyone from a pass catcher standpoint other than Mark Andrews relevant. Uh, you know, you, you invested high picks in guys like, you know, the Holly road Brown. Um, and it's an unfortunate weapon or shot Bateman, but this offense can't throw the ball through. They can't, they can't throw the ball basically, unless it's to Mark Andrews and Mark Andrews production has, has really plateaued. Um, you know, in the second half of the season, because he's the really their only threat. I think their number two receivers, like Isaiah Likely, which another shout out to to us from a draft uh, yep. point of view. 
Um, but yeah, yeah I, I think that in the in terms of leverage, I think Lamar thinks he he may even have more leverage than you normally would in this situation, given how they structured the offense. Yeah, uh, I, I think the there's two villains of the story that we have not talked about. And I'll keep this brief because I know we want to jump into some of the other games that are happening. Um, Cleveland and Arizona are mm. the two villains. Yep. Because you paid Kyler Murray $230 million, Deshaun Watson $230 million. And the fact of the matter is they're not worth those contracts. And you look at teams like Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, who took a team-friendly deal. You look at the teams that are succeeding. San Francisco's great with a rookie quarterback. Whether you count, I mean, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, all three of them, relatively inexpensive. Jalen Hurts, still in his rookie deal. Patrick Mahomes, team-friendly deal. Josh Allen, team-friendly deal. Joe Burrow, still in his rookie contract, probably do a pretty significant extension. But the fact of the matter is, what are those guys going to be worth when it comes up? And if you look at the teams, like Cardinals are not in the playoffs, Browns aren't in the playoffs. If you look at some of these other bloated contracts, quarterback contracts that are out there, Russell Wilson, those teams aren't in the playoffs. Because the quarterback contract is such an albatross that you really can't build too much around them. And so if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, listen, man, Lamar Jackson has only taken me as far as I think the divisional round. I don't Mm -hmm. even think he's ever played in an AFC championship game. No, he's not. And if I give him $230 million, he's going to want 230, 240, who knows, 250, a quarter of a billion dollars for a guy who's never taken me to an AFC championship game. And what's that going to do to the future prospects of my roster? I can't get the defenders I need. I can't get the offensive line I need. I can't get the wide receivers to support this guy. Like, man, you're torpedoing your franchise in all reality. Because the market was the QB market was reset by Kyler Murray and by Deshaun Watson. And Lamar, get an agent. Not gonna dis- I know he's being represented by his mom. I'm not gonna or his mother, not gonna you know disrespect anyone's mother, but I can just speak from my own personal experience. I love my mother to death. There is no way in hell I would let her represent me in any of these matters. So Lamar, get an agent, please. Shout out, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was our diatribe on the Ravens. So that'll be a little in- nugget in the middle of this I episode. Like um, but so we had everyone on the Bills, everyone on the Bills. Um, we want to do Bucks and Cowboys, or we want to do Vikings and Giants. Both intriguing matchups. Let's do Vikings and Giants. It's new. It's fresh. You know, new teams. Yeah, let's do it. Zach, you, you kick us off. Oh, I think the Vikings win this one um, by a surprisingly large margin, uh, actually. I think the spread is uh, only a couple points. Giants are bad. <laughs> um, Bill made that joke. Sorry if I stole your thunder, Bill. Bill, before we got on, Bill was like, I'm still not sure if they're good, and I don't think they are. They're, I think they're 2-5-1 and one over their last like half the season. They're 2-and-whatever against teams with winning records. I mean, both these teams have negative point differentials, but... At least the Vikings, um, uh, I, th- I think they have Siri, they have like splash playmakers, uh, uh, you know, sprinkled across the roster. Where the Giants, I feel like, really rely on um, two players uh, on the offense. So I think the Vikings are a little bit more of a complete team, and I think they win this one by you know 10, 11 points. Yeah, I, I think the Vikings are the better team. I kind of wish, if I was a Vikings fan, that this was only like 
regionally televised at like one o'clock on a Sunday and, and that only only people in Minnesota could watch it so that Kirk Cousins doesn't have to play on national TV um, just because that doesn't seem to work out too well for Kirk Cousins. Um, that said, I mean, I think the Giants have done it, it, it very similar, but even maybe even more so than the Seahawks. They have done as much as they could with with very little outside of Saquon Barkley, uh, Daniel Jones taking a step forward. The defense has played very well. The offensive line has come together. I mean, I think it's a really, really bright outlook for the Giants um, in the future. But they need some receivers, man. I mean, they, Richie James has has played well in spurts. Isaiah Hodges has has come on late in the season. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Kenny Galladay obviously still in a milk carton box. Um, <laughs> I just think that there's not enough firepower to keep up with this Vikings team. If this had been a situation where the Vikings were were going to New York to play the Giants at at at, uh, at the Meadowlands, then maybe I would feel a little bit differently. But um, you know that that place is going to be rocking. The skull chants are going to be going to be flying. I don't know how good still that this Vikings team is, um, but I think they're good enough to to win this this first playoff game at home. I'm going to go Vikings. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll stick with the theme here. I think it's the Vikings. I you know I, again kudos to the Giants. I think they definitely outperformed this year. I liked what I saw from Daniel Jones. I think his maturation has been uh, a fun story. Uh, Saquon Barkley's emergence has been a fun story. I, you know, if I were the Giants, I would I would keep Daniel Jones. Um, I don't know what type of contract you need to give him. All that kind of stuff with the whole fifth year options that I don't think they picked up his fifth, fifth year option. So he would be a free agent. Um, I'd get I'd sign him to a deal next year i thought he played well i think he'll only continue to improve um, as he remains in brian dabble's system Um, but at the end of the day i think the strength of the vikings um, versus the strength of the giants everything comes out for the vikings in, in in my opinion the weakness on the Vikings defense is their secondary and the Giants, I don't think have the horses to, to really make an impact. Uh, Bill mentioned their receiver core, you know, shout out to Kenny Galladay. He caught his first touchdown as a giant last week. So kudos to him. Um, but they just don't have the playmakers on the outside, even against a poor Viking secondary. Um, I don't think this is going to work out super well. I think the Vikings are good enough against the run to contain Saquon. Uh, I think the Giants will score some points in this game. I think they can put up at least you know 20 points. Um, but when I look at the matchup on the other side of the ball, the Vikings are just too dangerous. I don't know who covers Justin Jefferson in this game. I think her cousins performs pretty well. Um, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison um, make up for a good uh, running combination. Um, TJ Hawkinson has played really well um, since the trade for Detroit in the middle. I think there's just too much on the this side for the Vikings. I, again, like the rest of you, question how good this team actually is and if they can really contend um, for a Super Bowl. I'm not entirely certain of that, uh, but I do think that they'll beat the Giants. I, I I will say don't know what's gonna happen in this, but I will guarantee this is the craziest game of the of the weekend because they're two bad teams that are playing each other in the playoffs. You have prime time standalone game Kirk Cousins. I mean, there's just so there's so uh, many opportunities for hijinks here. I feel like, um, but I'm a believer that everybody is good at one thing. And do you know what I believe the Giants are the best at over the last half decade? 
nobody has identified third and fourth receivers like the Giants. Listen to these names. Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodges, Richie James, Colin Johnson, Sterling Shepard, Cody Lattimore, Khalif Raymond. They are organizationally elite at finding third and fourth receivers. Yeah, just not one or twos. <laughs> yeah, I know. But hey, everyone's <laughs> yeah, good at something. You know, everyone's good at something. And the Giants are good at that. Well, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they've got a I, – I think – from a from an offensive perspective they're not they're not a bad offense the offensive line has played well um they've got a couple good young tight ends uh daniel bellinger comes to mind um that you know i think there's some upside with um you know as they move forward but they desperately need that game-breaking wide receiver um but but hey credit where it's due uh you know to to danny dimes i mean I feel like every every year we're talking about him, you know, being on the, on his way out, and he just he finds a way to survive, man. Um, so, it, but but honestly, I think a lot of this is they are, they play very very good team football, and I I think they've got one of the most underrated defenses uh, in the league. So should we move on to the uh, Buccaneers Cowboys then? Or Let's any other, do it. Any Let's other do thoughts? It. Okay, so. I I won't pick the Buccaneers just this is because I don't want them to I don't I want Brady out. I want them gone. I'm taking the Cowboys. Um but I think there's some reason behind I mean the the Cowboys aren't playing great right now. But their talent level across the board is much greater than the Buccaneers. And I think there's something to be said for the Brady effect and the Brady impact especially late in games. Um, but I think the, the Cowboys have intense leaders in that defense, have intense leaders in that locker room, I think are going to realize this is their time to wake up, that if they play f- a focused game of football for 40 minutes, Dak doesn't make stupid throws, um, you know, uh, uh, no one fumbles the ball, everyone runs the proper route, everything like that, no one jumps routes, anything like I think that they will handily take care of a Bucks team that's looked really bad throughout the season, but it's kind of shaped up in recent weeks. Um, I, I believe the, the, that game with, uh, against the Panthers was kind of like the, uh, the dead cat bounce, uh, in stock trading or in market trading. Uh, it's the, it's the last sign of life before you die. And I think the Cowboys will put the Bucks out of their misery here. Or at least I'm, I'm hoping that. Yeah, this is a, uh, a, I think this is going to be a close game. Um, both teams are not exactly riding high into the playoffs. Uh, Dallas looked putrid against uh, against the Commanders last week, um, but that you know is maybe a little bit excusable. Just you know, was, I think it was maybe more of a, of a trap game. I think they were looking ahead to the playoffs because they had already. I know they were they were still playing for something, but they had already you know, clinched. And, um, I think for Washington, it was, you know, kind of like their Super Bowl. Um, I think they, I think they regroup here. I think the defense remains ferocious. Uh, I think that the, the Buccaneers offense is still very, very limited. Uh, I realized they were able to, um, uncork, uncork a couple more deep balls to, to Mike Evans and he's been playing better of late, but, I don't see a lot of of potency on the uh, 
on the Buccaneers offense. Um, you know, I, I, and I think that that age is finally catching up to Tom Brady. Um, I don't see the Buccaneers able to move the ball very much. Uh, now, on the other hand, um, for as good as the Buccaneers defense has been, I don't necessarily think they are as good this year as they have been in years past. Um, and I think that you can definitely run on them. I look for Tony Pollard to have a really good day today or a really good day. Um, and I also think that, um, the other one that's come on strong this year on the Dallas offense, especially late in the season has been Dalton, Dalton Schultz. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was too late for my famous football prospects, but that's (laughs) fine. Um, but I think that the Cowboys managed to win this game. Uh, you know, I, both teams limping into the playoffs, but, um, I think that the Cowboys find a way to get it done on the road. I guess I'll be the voice of dissent. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. Okay. I don't like it. I don't want to go with the Buccaneers. <laughs> Cursed Brady. Um, I only, yeah, I only want the best for Tony Pollard and the worst for Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> given my given my my fantasy season how it went, but um, listen, the way I look at this matchup is, I think you've got a Bucks team that is um, as healthy as it's been all year. Um, I think they've got um, some healthy pieces coming back around the, along the offensive line. Um, they can stymie the run on defense. They're one of the best teams against the run all year, and that's really where Dallas thrives. Um, Dallas thrives when with Zeke and Tony Pollard, but there have been a couple of games this year where when Dallas wasn't able to run the ball, they looked absolutely abysmal. Um, I think Tampa Bay can kind of take away Dallas's favorite toy. Um, and then when you flip the script and you look at Tampa Bay's offense against Dallas's defense, well, I think Micah Parsons can do, you know, have a huge impact on this game from a pass rush standpoint. Um, the the Dallas secondary has been exposed quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. I mean, you look at how Sam Howell, uh, call out to Bill for his Sam Howell take, um, played really, really well in that game. Um, Terry McLaurin ate against that Dallas secondary. And I think a lot of this comes down to Trayvon Diggs playing a very high-risk, high-reward style of football, and it leaves them open to big plays. I don't think this is a high-scoring game. I think this is a like a, a 16 to 9, 16 to 10 kind of deal. And I think the game gets broken open uh, in the fourth quarter by a play, whether it's Chris Godwin or Mike Evans um, beating someone deep, beating Trayvon Diggs deep in a clutch moment for a game-winning touchdown or something like that. That's the way I kind of envision this game going. Low scoring. Um, I don't think either of these teams are very good. I think they have good pieces but they're not good holistically as a team um and the other part when i look at dak when you consider times in dak's career where the scrutiny got turned up to 11 dak did not really come through when the media was questioning this guy throws too many interceptions this guy makes too many mistakes is he really a franchise quarterback is he worth the contract that he was given by jerry when that talk starts to happen in the media because with Dallas it's always the national media he's not really shown up after the the scrutiny is turned up to 11 and it has been up to 11 for the past couple of weeks based off of his performance I think Tom Brady gets one final playoff win against Dallas see I just think it's so tough and if I don't know if you heard that play in the background that was ESPN I brought up because I wanted to look at their schedule the ES, um, ESPN episode playing I want to look at the the uh 
Bucks schedule. I mean, they eked out a win against the Trace McSorley Cardinals by three. They couldn't score, you know, three touchdowns there. It's, you know, they, they beat the Panthers by six. They lose to the Bengals by double digits. They get crushed by the Cow or the 49ers. They eke out a win over the Saints, lose to the Browns. That's like the last two months of the year. Um, there's just not enough danger in that offense. Brady is or attempted 733 passes, thrown for 4,600 yards this year. Um, there's there, and if no one is making anything happen either after contact or after the catch, um, the offense isn't doing anything. And I believe the Cowboys have those playmakers on defense that even if they don't stop the initial play. They're going. They're gonna uh, rally and, and 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 put Tampa in a lot of difficult down and distances. You know, this is maybe not maybe a little off topic, but do you if you had to take pick one team out of the three: Buccaneers, Cowboys, or the Detroit Lions? Who would you take? Detroit in, in like a one in a win one game. If if you had to win one game. Uh, probably the Cowboys with Detroit. Second. You think? Yeah, I think so. I think I would take the Cowboys still. Detroit plays tough. They have great spots in their roster, but there was also some really bad weaknesses on Detroit's roster still. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just curious. Yeah. So is that all the first round games? Yeah, that is all, all the first, first round, round games. games. Okay. So we were split on the Jags and Chargers, two on the Jags, one on the Chargers. We are in agreement on the Bengals and Ravens, agreement on the Bills and Dolphins, uh, agreement on the Niners and Seahawks, agreement on the Vikings over the Giants, and split two to one, two on the Cowboys, one on the Buccaneers. So a bit of a hive mind, but that's okay. Well, I feel like w- with our later picks, that's where I probably d- uh, differentiate. I guess since we don't really know the matchups coming up in the later rounds, divisional conference, Super Bowl, what are the teams you you all want to look out for, matchups you would be excited to see? Kind of walk me through what the rest of your bracket looks like. I can so, f- oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so, Zach, you want picks as well? Yeah, I mean, pick, the, picks, yeah, who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl? I'm just curious what you think the the highlights could be of the of the Divisional Conference uh, Championship round and the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay, perfect. So, uh, for me, I had the Jaguars winning, so I got the Jags facing off against the Chiefs in the Divisional round, as well as Buffalo facing off against Cincinnati. Um, I think Kansas City runs away uh, with a victory over Jacksonville putting them in the AFC championship game. Um, I This this Bengals-Bills matchup is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be super excited to watch Burrow against Allen. I think they're two great teams. I think there are three great teams in the AFC. Um, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. So this feels like it's going to be a huge AFC championship style of game. But we're having it in the divisional round. I think that's going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, I'm going to pick the Bengals in that one. And when I think about that matchup, I think it's going to come down to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase um, just being a little bit too much for the Buffalo secondary. Um, and, you know, for Buffalo, you know, we know about the whole, you know, DeMar Hamlin situation. Thoughts and prayers are with him, obviously. Um, but, 
there's a lot emotionally to deal with over the past couple of weeks for for the Buffalo Bills. Um, and I wonder um, emotionally how long they can keep it up because um, it's really a grind. And then when you throw in just a absolutely life-altering experience, um, you know, listen, they, that would be a fantastic if the Bills could galvanize around DeMar Hamlin and make a run to the Super Bowl and do all those things. But emotionally, I think that's a really tall task. And I think, you know, another tall task is the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. That's a fantastic offense. That defense is swarming. Um, Secondary is playing really, really well. Pass rush is playing really well. Getting turnovers, getting sacks, rushing the passer really well. So I think the Bengals are primed uh, for another AFC title game. Um, so that's the AFC. I'll take a brief pause if there's any reactions to to that particular part. <clears throat> I'm I'm right there with you, Matt. I um I think the Bengals are going to the AFC title game as well. Um, at this stage, you need a good quarterback and a good coach um, to uh, succeed. So any team that doesn't have both of those or either of those, I'm crossing off the list. And um, But the Bengals' defense is playing their best at the right time. Um, the, I'm total in total agreement with the Bills-Bengals game. Burrow has been taking care of the ball incredibly well the last half of the season. And the exact... Opposite has happened with Josh Allen, especially in the red zone. And I think that's the difference in that matchup. I could see a, an interception or two at the goal line for Allen, and that's enough for the Bengals to go to the championship game against the Chiefs. Yep. I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reiterate the same things, but um Bengals Bills would be a fantastic game. I do think the big the Bengals win that game. Mm. Um I like like we've been saying they're they're coming into this uh you know playing their best football which you know I, I think there's a lot to be said for that um and the bills you know I understanding you know what happened with with um with Hamlin in that game but prior to that the Bengals were really taking it to them mm-hmm. um so uh, just be on the lookout for uh, I'm, I'm predicting a Bengals win in that game. Um, the other thing I would be careful of if the Jaguars again go into Arrowhead, um, they're playing loose, nothing to lose. Um, it's entirely now. I don't think it's actually going to happen, but they could give the Chiefs a game. Yeah, I agree. They could. I agree. Um, you know, I'll also I'll just you know do briefly my picks on the NFC side, and then I'll do my championship, and then we'll do the Super Bowl. But I want to get to I want to get to your picks as well. Um, I don't think the divisional round matchups for me are really that interesting. Uh, Eagles and Buccaneers. I think the Eagles absolutely trounce the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. I think it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, it, honestly, like I, I do. I know I picked the the Bucks in the the other um, the wild card round, but the Eagles are far and above a better football team than the Buccaneers. I don't even think it's close. And I think you get to a similar result with the Vikings and the 49ers. Um, akin to what we saw where um, I think it was two or three years ago when Jimmy Garoppolo attempted like three passes or something <laughs> and they just ran all over the Vikings. Uh, I think again, San Francisco, just a different class of team um, over Minnesota. So my NFC championship game, Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, AFC championship game, uh, Bengals and chiefs. I think the Bengals are in the chiefs head. I think there's like, like Mahomes gets the yips. 
Reed gets the yips. There's just something about this Bengals team. They just know how to play Kansas City. Uh, we've seen it with multiple victories for the Bengals over the Chiefs the last couple of years. Um, I think that streak continues. I see the Bengals making a back-to-back Super Bowl run, um, which shocked me to even think about doing that. But um, the way they're playing, I think they're hot at the right time. 49ers against Eagles. Um, I don't know um, how the... Um, I think the Eagles defense versus the 49ers offense is a little bit better of a matchup. Um, I don't know how you stop Jalen Hurts. Um, There's too much firepower, I think, on both sides of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I have Bengals and Eagles in an absolute hellish matchup for a Pittsburgh fan. Um, (laughs) And when I kind of, you know, measure these two teams up against each other, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. I think, you know, tons of firepower, uh, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, two great quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow going for their first Super Bowls. Um, really great defenses, really disruptive pass rushes. I think it's it's an epic game. I think this could be one for the ages. Uh, we've kind of not had one of those Super Bowls in a little bit of time. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give the edge to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles win their second Super Bowl in five years six years well i'll go next because matt i don't have anything else to add you 100 percent agreed you nailed it same picks i have eagles advancing i have the 49ers advancing i have the eagles beating the 49ers in the nfc championship game and the Bengals beating the chiefs in the afc championship game the same reasons that you spoke um uh about the Bengals beating the chiefs are 100 percent true uh, the Eagles and 49ers a little bit more hesitant on because Kyle Shanahan almost makes up for that discrepancy between the quarterbacks. He is so good. But that Eagles defense is so fast. They are so deep. They swarm. And that is a, t- that is a matchup where Brock Purdy could look overwhelmed or at least he will be forced to make plays. And that is where I think you maybe might see some holes in the game because that Eagles defense, Jonathan Gannon, he seems to have a knack for knowing when to play conservative and when to go after teams. And I think he'll be going after Purdy in that one. Um, and I think the Eagles in the Super Bowl too. I believe that Nick Sirianni is just crazy enough to outmaneuver Zach Taylor because like I said earlier, at this stage, you know, really when you get to the divisional round, if you're in the divisional round, you need a good quarterback and a good coach. And if you don't have one, you're going to lose. And especially when you advance further, further on you need those to win and it's who do I I mean I think the quarterbacks have their own unique skill set hurts I don't know how the Bengals deal um with that running threat I mean they've done okay in the division with Lamar Jackson before but that puts stress on on how that Bengals defense likes to play and I think Sirianni Jonathan Gannon um uh, Shane Steichen the offensive coordinator I I would take that group of coaches over the Bengals group. Um, the disrespect to Lou Anarumo, the defense coordinator for the Bengals, who I have a lot of respect for. So, yeah, Eagles win the Super Bowl. I'm with you, Matt. Wow. wow. <laughs> I did not think that it was going to be three for three oh that the Bengals God. were going to make the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, I thought I had a really interesting take. Uh, yeah, I I also have the AFC bracket uh, shaking out the same way that you guys do uh, and having the Bengals uh, repeat as AFC champions. Uh, the only place I differ from you guys, though, is I've got the 49ers beating the Eagles in the NFC championship game. Um 
I know now. I know Jordan Davis is back, uh, which is huge for that Eagles run defense. But the 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 knock on the Eagles is that you can run the ball on them, um, and I think that the Niners defense creates some really tough matchups across the board for the Eagles offense. I think they've got the team speed, but more than that, they team discipline from a defensive perspective to stay in those running lanes that happen that, that Jalen hurts tends to find. Um, I think they harass him all day long. I think that the 49ers running game does just enough to, to beat the Eagles in, in what I would call a classic game. Um, and then I think it's a great Super Bowl between the 49ers and Bengals, but I think that the 49ers ultimately prevail. So um, I've got it very similar to you guys, but I've got the Niners winning the Super Bowl. Okay. So our big disagreements on the NFC Championship game. Basically. That's a hard game to pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my hardest game to pick. I don't know about you guys. Maybe, maybe the second would be the Bengals versus the Bills. Um, but that was my hardest game was the 49ers versus the Eagles. But imagine in Bill's scenario, what would that do to Trey Lance if Brock Purdy is is the the Super Bowl winning quarterback? Like, I mean, do you just keep Purdy and you send Lance to Houston or somewhere and recoup some draft picks? I don't know. That'd be a crazy situation. I don't think you send him anywhere. I think he, I think you just kind of look at. Lance is just kind of like, hey, this guy, this guy won a Super Bowl. If you win a Super Bowl for your team, especially if you're a rookie, a backup rookie quarterback has never happened before who's won a Super Bowl, he gets he gets to hold serve. He gets the chance to make the mistake going into the next year. I think you keep Trey Lance in case it turns out, you know, in case the the uh, carriage turns into a pumpkin. But um, but I think you, you keep them both, and you're, you just like look at Trey. Like, not the way you can do, man. He won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's like a Foles Wentz situation all over again. <laughs> but I think even more, I think even harder to deal with because um, they're two young guys. And wouldn't that be funny? It's like they can't even get the quarterback position. The 49ers can't even get the quarterback position right if they're even if it's doing well. You know, it's like they can't figure it out. Uh, they're always gonna have conflict there. It seems. Oh I, no, I don't know about that, Zeke. It's it's just like uh, it's just like the Giants' third and fourth receivers. The, <laughs> The 49ers just are really good about picking a backup quarterback. Well, I, I just want to point out, if the 49ers had drafted Mac Jones, I mean, I think they'd be the runaway favorite for the Super Bowl, right? So or does that make Brock Purdy the – does that make Brock Purdy the Richie James of quarterbacks? <laughs> I think you're right. No. <laughs> He's better than that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. He's better than that. Um, the, the thing about the NFC Championship game matchup is I, I – have to envision Brock Purdy. I don't. He's not going to get away with throwing like the you know, the um, the Jimmy Garoppolo nine times and winning that game. He's going to be forced to throw and make plays. But if they're not going to do that, they're going to have to run at the Eagles. And I just don't see Christian McCaffrey running for twenty five times against the Eagles defense with those fresh bodies and him being effective. Like, I think it could be a game where it's like 25 carries, like 82 yards from McCaffrey. Um, I think they could bottle him up. I, if, I think their best chance in that game would probably be running Elijah Mitchell, to be quite honest. Um, but, and then it's like, okay, well, if you're taking away their best weapons, that just further makes me lean toward Philadelphia. So um, that defense is just so tough, especially when they're healthy and they're playing fast. So tough. Anything else on the uh, NFC Championship game? Which you spent more no, time talking I, about I that than Super Bowl. 
Yeah. Yeah, Eagles Bengals would be crazy. I think like tons of firepower in that one. Mm. Or or even 49ers Bengals. Um yeah. Yeah, that would be a great game. I I think the yeah, Eagle I would prefer the Eagles Bengals obviously, but um yeah, you just have the stress on those secondaries. I mean, the over under for that game would be what? Mid 50s maybe, high 50s, low 60s even. Yeah, probably. I think that would be a classic. Really, both of them. I think whether you take the Eagles and Bengals, 49ers and Bengals, I think I think we're in for a classic Super Bowl, like a Super Bowl 43, a Super Bowl 42, like a classic game. Because the last few, you know, they've been probably the, the, the best one we've had in recent memory, and correct me if I'm wrong, was probably Patriots-Eagles, the Nick Foles game. Yeah. I don't I know like if the we Rams had one, one up to that. Well, yeah, the Rams <laughs> one, that was that was a decent game, but the game, like, I think there was such a lull through, like, the middle part of that game, and then it got a little bit more yep. intense towards the end. Um, but it just, it, I don't know, I feel like this Super Bowl is going to have that sort of special caliber. Um, because I think, you know, on the AFC side, I really only envision three teams. Um, I think the Bengals, Chiefs, and Bills are all mm-hmm. capable of making a run. I don't think anybody else has a real shot. I think there's only two teams on the NFC side. I think we honed in on the Eagles and the 49ers. I don't think the Bucks, Cowboys, or Vikings. Um, you know, I'm sorry to completely discount the Giants and, and Seahawks, but you're completely discounted. Um, I think there's only two, but I think any of those matchups, I, I think we're in for a really good game. I'm shocked. We haven't recorded in four months. We've watched football on our own for four months. We record and we have like the same opinions. That's wild to me. I figured we'd be Hi. way more all over the place. Hive mind. <laughs> Great minds think alike. I really thought my Bengals takes were going to be like, <laughs> I don't know, like a little uh, like. A little put out. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, I got the Bengals yeah, winning the Super Bowl." And we're like, "Oh yeah, we all have the Bengals winning the Super Bowl." Oh, okay. Well, I think compared cool. to the rest of the NFL media, we probably are the the um, you know the hot takes, like quote unquote the hot take artists with the Bengals going in there. Because I think most people are taking Chiefs and the Bills, right? Am I wrong yeah. on that? I yeah, I, I, I would assume. But I think the one thing about the Bengals that scares me one, I mean, yeah, they've got to play the Bills and the Chiefs, but. Like those three teams are playing each other in any way, shape or form. So like the, the, the road's going to be hard no matter what, but the part that I think is a little bit challenging and you don't know how it affects a team until, until um, you actually get there is like, what's the toll that falls on that team for two Super Bowl runs? Mm. Like that's gotta be exhausting. But that was one of the reasons that I actually took the Bengals over the bills because I think the Bills are going to be exhausted, like emotionally exhausted, given all that's been happening in their organization. Um, and I hate to like to take that away. I still think the Bengals are a better matchup. That's why I picked them in the game. But I, you know, the, the Bills like that's going to be so difficult to deal with. Um, and emotionally, I don't know how they can like really hang for and for how long they can do that and sustain that energy. Yeah, they just seem to have it, though, this year. And, you know, I usually don't like talking in those terms because it's so esoteric and, you know, fleeting and whatever. But it, they seem to be incredibly focused over the last half of the season, just not only in how they've played, but also the quotes that have come out from that team. Um, 
I think they're ready to, to play. They're they're not intimidated by the Chiefs. I think they beat the Chiefs like the last three times they've played. Um, and like Bill said earlier, the Bengals were taking it to uh, the Bills in that game. And the hit that Demar uh, Hamlin got hurt on, T. Higgins lowered his, his helmet and was aiming to deliver, aiming to give contact. That's like their personality now, and um, and I think they're ready for the challenge. I I, I feel like they're the most equipped. And, zo- and locked in team uh, mentally because the Chiefs have faltered in recent weeks. You know, didn't really look great against the Texans, um, and they've had ups and downs. The Bills, you know, like you said earlier, Matt, the emotional toll that the Hamlin um, injury it, it took on them. It's like it's almost. I think your your description was great. Not to ramble on here, but your description was great. How long can they keep this going? It's like someone who stayed up all night to do a project and they have that adrenaline going. It's like at some point there's going to be a crash and I feel like that's going to happen with the Bills. So I think yeah. the Bengals are it. Yeah. Any other comments or do we want to jump into, uh, I think we want to do a victory lap as well for uh, since it's been four months. Oh yeah. So what do we get right for the season since we uh, get to look back at hindsight now? We got the I, Jaguars I, AFC South, right? Yeah, I, I do want to co- go back because I don't have a lot of victory, victory laps to take, but I do want to call out both of my uh, sleeper rookie tight ends for being <laughs> contributors this year. Isaiah Likely um, yes. and uh, Jelani Woods uh, for, for the Colts. Both had uh, meaningful uh, contributions to make to their teams. Both look like great young tight ends. So um, that, I guess, is my only victory lap of, uh, of the, the prediction season last year. No one scouts tight ends better than Bill. No one. <laughs> no one. <laughs> and Matt, you uh, had think, the lines, right? Or you you picked the lines to? Yeah. I, so it didn't end up actually panning out, but the the interesting part, um, and it happened just because of weird tiebreakers and you know how it gets at the end of the season. But I had two predictions, and they almost came true. And the fact that they almost came true, both of them, <laughs> was pretty shocking. Um, one being that the Lions were going to make the playoffs. I was I was literally a, a Seattle a Seattle victory away from having the Lions make the playoffs. Um, and even looking at this playoff crop, like I'll go ahead and say this, just you know, to continue to pander to Lions fans, like the Lions are better than the Buccaneers, they're better than the Vikings, they're better than the Giants, and they're better than the Seahawks. I'd rather see any of those teams. Uh, I'd rather see one of those teams removed and the Lions get in, but that's not how life works. Um, but I'm super excited for what the Lions are going to bring next year. And the other one that I think kind of flew under the radar is I had predicted three AFC North teams to make the playoffs, and I was one Miami field goal away from Pittsburgh getting into the playoffs. Um, everyone laughed at me. Everyone thought Pittsburgh was going to be absolutely pathetic. I understand all that stuff, but <laughs> nine and eight. One win, one field goal away from making the playoffs, uh, um, and so I almost had all three uh, AFC North teams in the playoffs as well. So close, but no cigar. Uh, yeah, those. I mean, just incredibly near misses, um, but awesome to be there at the, until the very end. I'm happy with my evaluation of Kenny Pickett. I mean, I still, you know, he's not going to be the next Tom Brady. He's not going to, in my opinion, he's not like a top five quarterback, but I think I, I nailed everything that makes him really good and brought up uh, the appropriate concerns with him. You know, great decision maker, great thrower with anticipation, but 
an amazing decision making in the red zone and he is um and he's shown that so far he's made big time throws and that's one of the things i think um you know i'm not saying he's gonna be a top 10 quarterback for a, a decade but i feel like i really nailed the evaluation in his third round grade there yeah you can win yeah, I, I i think you did too yeah i think you can win with kenny pickett and i i do want to say Watch out for Sam Hall, uh, Sam Howell next year. Yeah, um, I think he's the only quarterback under that's going to be under contract. Um, I think Heineke and and I think they're going to move on from Carson Wentz. Obviously, um, he's going to have every opportunity to win that job. Um, and he looked pretty good against a very good Dallas defense. Um, I'm still holding holding to my uh, to my assumption that Sam Howell is the best quarterback to come out of this class. By the way. While we're talking about quarterbacks, um, were we all like, and I know we were all fairly low on him, but like, yikes, Malik Willis, like, no good. Yeah. No. Ugly. Yeah, we we all nailed him, too. Yeah. I mean, I I watched him a couple of times just because I was, you know, curious, and uh, he needs a a lot of work, um, you know, if if he's going to be a serviceable quarterback. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. Turns out the Brock Purdy uh, was going to be the most impactful one from the from the class uh, yeah. thus far. Any uh, any face plants? Any face plants that you guys can specifically recall? We should all talk about the Colts, should we not? Yeah, because didn't we all have the Colts? <laughs> like? no, no, I did not. I did, I predicted no. the Colts backs backsliding because I said every, when everyone thought about their line, they all thought they were five Quentin Nelsons, and they were not five Quentin Nelsons. Yeah, well, Matt and I are going to have to himself. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, Matt and I are going to have to take a take a beating on that one. I face planted on the Rams. I said they could sleepwalk through the NFC West, yes. and they did. We they, all did that. They did sleepwalk, but they didn't get the results they wanted. Um, I mean, that was I was so confident in that prediction, and oh god, that looks so bad now. Yeah. So bad. I do want to give. So it, I, oh, go ahead. My my face plant. Um, I don't know which one is worse. I had the Packers in the Super Bowl, okay. um, and I had the Saints in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure which one's worse, because um, the Packers at least almost made the playoffs, but the Saints were abysmal. Um, so both pretty bad takes from my end. <laughs> Let's see what other what else did I mess up? Oh, I probably messed up quite a bit. Um... Uh, well, you're thinking, Zach. I also, I, I also, I think had the Saints going. I think at least making the playoffs. I don't know why, but I, had I think we all. Well. Yep, I did too. Let's see something else that I royally screwed. Um, every year, I'm super low on the Bears and the Falcons. It seems like since we've done this podcast, the I mean, I know the Bears are the first round pick, but they've showed a lot of life. Oh, speaking of Bears, biggest face plant, Darnell Mooney. I mean, <laughs> he he had some good games once they started getting him involved, but at the beginning of the year, that looked like an it was going to be an all time bad take. Um, not great. And then I always shit on the Falcons, but they ended up a respectable seven and ten. Have some nice pieces on that offense. Much better off than I gave it credit for. But uh yeah, the Darnell Mooney stuff. <sighs> Did not look good there for the first month and a half of the season. Yeah. Can we and, stop? And so not can to, we uh, stop talking so sorry. Can we can we stop talking about Matt Ryan as a serviceable quarterback? Yes, as he's well? done. I'm still thinking about yeah. the Colts. Can we he's stop? Done. He's done. Like he's is, is this over now? Yes, it's can done. we stop pretending? Yeah, it's over. 
it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, we'll it stop painful. pretending. It was painful to watch. That was Yeesh. bad. Um, that was bad. I, I, um, oh, go ahead, Matt. No, go ahead. You got one more. I was just going to say, I do, uh, not a face plan. I just want to give a shout out, though, to Damian Pierce. Well, this kind of is a face plan because I was dead wrong on Damian Pierce. I think in my draft grade, I think I had him at sixth round tender, or I, he might have even been undraftable for me. And I ended up picking him in fantasy. Yeah, you were super wrong. I was super wrong on Damian <laughs> Pierce. Despite being wrong, I still picked him in fantasy. And he was an incredible choice for the first, until he got injured at the end of the year. So I was wrong and right, but more wrong than right. Yeah, I think I think so. We don't end the end the episode on like a huge <laughs> slice of humble pie. Um, I went back through and so I could remember how to talk football in one of these things. It's been okay. so long. I went back through and I listened to our draft episodes. Oh. Remember the 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 brief episodes that we did yeah, during yeah. the draft, the live reactions, and we nailed most of the picks. Let's go! Like like. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, we nailed. Sauce Gardner, we nailed. Garrett Wilson, we nailed. Um, Jahan Dotson, uh, Drake London, the, the you know, probably wouldn't be the greatest in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Cross, Iki Ikwonu, like go down the list of like, you know, Zach had a great take on George Karlaftis. Um, like there was uh, great takes on Trent McDuffie, mm-hmm. takes on Derek Stingley. Like we just like, if you go back through, like we absolutely crushed our draft evaluations. Let's go. I love Even it. our deep cuts. If you go to some of the deep cuts, like guys like Cam Taylor, Britt, mm. um, I don't remember all of them specifically offhand. There was just a few that kind of stuck out to me. Um, but some of the deep cuts, like George Pickens, some of those things, like we, you know, George Pickens isn't necessarily a deep cut, but like, you know, we, we had a pretty good handle on, uh, on this draft class. I love it. Um, uh, I remember the Derek Stingley one. We just opened the episode and started laughing uh, because Sauce we Gardner, called it the week before <laughs> we that they were going to take they were going to take Stingley at three because Lovey Smith wants to play the Tampa two, who we all knew was he was getting fired after this year, uh, but some reason that mattered of which cornerback they're taking with Sauce Gardner was clearly the superior player. Yeah, two, um, like actually, aren't yeah. <laughs> I was I was just gonna say um, the other per, the other guy we talked about that panned out as well was Jalen Petrie yes. for from the Texans. Now nobody watched the, the Texans play unless you you know have a you're a sucker for punishment. But but yeah, Petrie actually played really well. He was uh, one of the few bright spots on that on that defense. That a defense that by the yeah. way played kind of frisky towards the end of the season. So bright bright spot there for uh, for the Texans. If you yeah. look at this and first, I, uh, oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was say the other the other DB we called out um, for a deep cut was Kobe Bryant. Oh, nice for the C- the Seahawks uh, Cincinnati corner. That was one that we had called out. So go ahead, Zach. I was just gonna say, if you look at this first round, it looks like there's gonna be contributors from us every team here. Um, like it doesn't look like many teams missed. Um, I feel like we nailed the Trevor Penning. Um, missed by the Saints. I think we nailed that at yep. real time. And I, 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 I don't remember, but I'm curious. What did we think of Traylon Burks at the time? I don't think we were really high on him. Or was am I wrong? We, or I'm misremembering. We weren't. We weren't super high on him. He nice. was actually one of the lowest graded uh, wide receivers. We had some other wide receivers that um, were graded a lot higher. We we had honed in on um, Garrett Wilson. Mm. 
Um, Jameson Williams was an all-time favorite of the pod. Nice. Um, although he kind of missed part of his year. Yeah. Bill really liked Chris Olave. You and I weren't as high, so okay. Bill, Bill kind of got the win there. Jahan Dotson we were both high on. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. I'm just looking through the late round picks of the draft too. Um, uh, Sam Howe, yeah, Bill had him for. I did have Sam Howe ranked second in my in my rankings, so I want a little piece. Yeah. Can you give me a little piece of that pie, Bill, of the Sam Howe pie? Yeah, I'll give you. Yeah, I, I remember you backing me up just, on that. Just a little yeah, piece. Um, Tariq Wool. So, I feel like we nailed Tariq Wool too. I can't remember who. It yeah, was, but someone. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was yours. Okay, maybe. I, I think can't it was remember. yours. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tyler Algier, I think I missed on him, but he ended up being very good. I feel like you liked him from the outset, Matt. I came on to really yeah. like him at the end of the year. Yeah, I liked him the whole way through. Zach, Andrew, Zach doesn't like rookie backs well. until they're on his fantasy team. <laughs> they got to yeah. prove it. You know, we don't fuck her. Oh, sorry, we don't uh, language. We don't mess around here on my fantasy. <laughs> we, we have a history to uphold, you know. So is, is the lesson here, like, if you're the listener, like, Take all of our season preview picks with a game with a grain of salt, but listen to all of our draft advice. Yes, we should become a draft pod. That's what we should do. <laughs> Just we had some players. really good ones. Like it's it's resurfacing. Like I we had some really good takes uh, mm-hmm. from last year. I even had Cole Strange yeah. as like think, a as like a second round talent, and he went with the Patriots. Yeah, and I was he was first round pick. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, so one of the things that we're going to be doing, I know we talked a little bit about this in terms of like the production <laughs> schedule, because we're not going to leave you listener for another four months. <laughs> um, we're going to try to do a little bit better at that. But I think, you know, what you'll expect through the playoffs is that, and, and guys, you know, kind of correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll do our reactions to the divisional round, reactions to the conference championship game. Um, in the middle, we'll do our end of season rewards or, or, or not rewards awards, um, MVP, offensive player of the year, so on and so forth. Um, like we did last year, we'll do our Super Bowl reactions, and then I am very excited to do a series of uh, be the GM for a team, um, where we'll kind of do a deep dive into one team per episode, or maybe one or two teams per episode, um, going via draft order, starting with the Bears and like trying to get real prescriptive around what they should do in the draft, what they should do in free agency and uh, doing a little bit more from the scouting perspective. So I think that'll be a fun series um, post Super Bowl. I love it. Scouting seems to be our strength. So let's lean into it. You know, I like it. I'm, I'm, from football I'm pod deep in just scout <laughs> scout pod. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> scout pod. I'm, I'm deep into tight end tape already. Oh God. I got some, I got some gems for you guys. I cannot wait. So anything else? Are we good uh, to watch? Just enjoy some football tomorrow. I think we're good. Or today when the listener will probably be listening to it. Yeah, um, yeah. So awesome. Well, thanks uh, for coming back. I know it's been a uh, quite the hiatus, but you know life gets in the way sometimes. As Matt said, great production schedule coming up, and uh, we'll see you all soon. But uh, Bill, Matt, pleasure as always. Thanks, Absolutely. everybody. Peace.